Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with David Hinton. David is the Acting Executive Director of Technology Ventures at the University of Arkansas and the Interim Director of the Arkansas Research and Technology Park. David is also an adjunct professor in the Strategy, Entrepreneurship, and Venture Innovation Department at the University of Arkansas and is the co-instructor of the graduate-level New Venture Development course. David has been with the University of Arkansas since August 2018, when he was recruited as the Associate Director of Technology Ventures. Prior to the University of Arkansas, David was a Marketing and Licensing Associate with the University of South Alabama. Before his time at South Alabama, David spent almost eight years at the Mayo Clinic, where he completed his PhD and held various roles in the lab and as an intern in its business accelerator and venture programs. While at the Mayo Clinic, David also co-founded two internet-based startup companies. David has a BS from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, a Master's of Business Administration from the University of South Alabama Mitchell College of Business, and a PhD in Neuroscience from the Mayo Clinic Graduate School of Biomedical Sciences. And with that very impressive background, welcome to the podcast, David. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks again, David, for taking part in the podcast. Uh, Generally, David, I like to start these podcasts off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at Fayetteville at the University of Arkansas? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a it's a long story, probably like most uh, most professionals in this field. Um, technology transfer is a it's a field I learned about uh, during my PhD at Mayo Clinic. Um, the dean of the graduate school at that time, uh, his name is Jim Maher, uh, and he recognized that you know generally there's there's a lot more PhD students. Uh, that that are graduating than you know than our tenure track faculty positions available every year, and so he uh, he pioneered an initiative uh, to to start providing additional training um, to graduate students in the form of career development internships uh, to allow students to explore alternative career paths that you know having a PhD is is appl- applicable to, and so um, I remember he always used to say that. Uh, you know, having a PhD was like being a project manager on steroids. Um, and so there were, you know, there's, there's a lot of skills that you need to optimize as, as a PhD student, um, that are, that are applicable to many different fields. Right. And so these, these internships ranged from, from science policy in Washington, DC, um, to, to teaching at, at like a liberal arts college. And so, although I felt like, uh, I was a, a really successful graduate student. Um, I published more than than twenty papers uh, prior to graduating. I, I had a side of my brain that you know was really fascinated with the business side of science, 
um, and, and early stage product commercialization. And so I was interestingly actually accepted um, into a PhD program at the same time that I was accepted into the MBA program. Uh, and I decided to, to pursue the PhD first, knowing that you know I could always go back and do an MBA uh, in the future. And, and this interest led me um, to these career development internships at, at Mayo Clinic Ventures and then also at the Mayo Clinic Business Accelerator. Uh, and this is where I learned uh, about the field of, of technology transfer and, and the process of you know, transferring these solutions to problems that are developed at an academic research institution to organizations that can utilize them um, to benefit the public. Uh, and so it was fascinating, you know, that this field um, is situated at the intersection of, of science, business, and law. Um, and I, I realized I could lean on my passion for entrepreneurship uh, and fascination for doing things that no one else has ever done before uh, as a paid career. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually able to explore and learn um, and almost experience many of the challenges that that entrepreneurs have. Uh, and so during my PhD, um, I was studying behavior, um, primarily goal-directed behavior and habitual behavior and impulsive behavior and compulsive behavior um, in the context of psychiatric disorders, including addictive disorders and depression. Uh, and one of the projects that I was working on um, was related to a screen for prediction of treatment efficacy of a, of a particular therapeutic that we were studying. Uh, and it was really enjoyable to work on this project, you know, having the end user, the patient uh, in mind. Um, but I hit some roadblocks when it came to market potential. Uh, and I had some assumptions, um, you know, about the market uh, that were based really on, on reading papers um, that I thought were, you know, they had to be correct because they were written in these papers that I was reading. Um, and it wasn't until I started talking with people at Mayo Clinic Ventures that I realized that, you know, although this was a really interesting and helpful scientific discovery, uh, it probably wasn't something that would generate a huge return on investment. And so I became really interested in motivating and helping other people sort of avoid these assumptions and to try to focus their research projects on these big problems um, and to help them sort of facilitate, you know, getting what they're working on the, in the lab, developing uh, within the academic research setting to, to certain developmental milestones where it, it could eventually be commercialized. Uh, and long story short, I guess I was, I was ultimately recruited um, to the University of Arkansas um, when the university received an almost uh, $24 million grant uh, from the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Uh, to expand their focus on commercialization, entrepreneurship, and research innovation. Uh, you know, it's fantastic to work in an environment where university leadership, uh, community leadership, um, and a foundation that's associated with Fortune One uh, are all moving in the same direction uh, and all have similar priorities to invest in the university's commercialization efforts. Wow, that's really an amazing story. And I think it must really help you in assisting professors and PIs that come to you with their inventions. So avoid kind of like the, the I don't want to say dead end, but I guess you kind of did run run into a dead end with, with your own invention, so to speak, to, to kind of guide them so they don't, you know, make, I don't want to say a mistake, but head down a similar path. Yeah, no, absolutely. It kind of helps to 
provide that credibility, you know, when you've sort of been there and done that. Exactly. So let's switch gears a little bit. And for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with technology ventures at the University of Arkansas, David, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, technology ventures commercializes, protects, and manages the intellectual property portfolio of the University of Arkansas. Uh, Our office has been around since about 1990. Um, And as you know, uh, intellectual property can take on many different forms. Uh, and be protected in many different ways. Uh, so we also educate faculty, staff, and students, um, as well as really our, our larger Northwest Arkansas community um, and entrepreneurial ecosystem about intellectual property and technology commercialization. Um, we serve the university's faculty, staff, and students, uh, as well as external inventors and entrepreneurs um, to disseminate knowledge, uh, technology, and products outside of the walls of the university um, to generate return on investment that's that's eventually reinvested into our innovators and future research support. Um, you know, and in, in this way, uh, we also serve the public uh, as it's our responsibility um, to enable the public utilization of products developed from university research. Um, So, you know, we manage a large portfolio of patent applications and issued patents that are, of course, available for licensing. Um, And we're the foundation really for for several startup companies um, that utilize university intellectual property. Um, And so we work closely with our Office of Innovation and Industry Partnerships, uh, as well as our Office of Sponsored Programs. On, on industry-sponsored research um, that leads to the development of intellectual property, you know, hopefully with those natural licensing partners. Seems like a relatively young office since it's only been around since 1990s. It seems like you've gotten a lot done in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and Baidol is turning 40 this yes. year. So Baidol was uh, signed in 1980. And so we were a little a little slow, um, you know, s- setting up shop in 1990. But uh, um, yeah, we're continuing to, to build um, here at the University of Arkansas. Sounds like and we're going to get into that a little bit more here, actually, right now. And uh, I think it'd be interesting if you wouldn't mind telling us how is your office structured? Yeah, yeah. So we're we're rapidly gr- growing right now. You know, when I started uh, as associate director in August of, of 2018, um, there was kind of this transition of the guard uh, that was going on. Um, several people had already retired, uh, and there was there was <laughs> there was actually only one other person um, in the office uh, when I started, um, who also retired about two months after oh, after wow. I started. <laughs> and so, yeah. So during uh, during this overlap, I, I had a lot of uh, institutional knowledge uh, dumped on me. But it was also an opportunity, you know, for us to to start fresh. Um, and so, with this, uh, you know, renewed emphasis on technology commercialization, uh, we began building a team. Um, and so, it's you know, it's it's great uh, to have a chancellor um, that views technology transfer as an essential process uh, to the future success of the university. So um, our, our chancellor, Joe Steinmetz, has highlighted this uh, several times in his 2020 Focus on the uh, Future series. Um, and so, you know, two years later, um, now we're, we're a team of five, um, and we also have a, um, an active 
you know, student internship program. Um, and we've, we've ramped up really our, our whole process. Um, and so first I'd like to, um, share how we have started to develop this pipeline for intellectual property, uh, that flows into our office. Um, so as I mentioned previously, uh, we're actively working with our office of innovation and industry partnerships, uh, led by Cynthia sides, um, as well as our office of sponsored programs, uh, led by Bob Beidel, um, on industry sponsored research projects that, um, lead to, to the development of intellectual property, you know, with these sort of nat natural licensing partners. And so we have a goal at the university, um, to dramatically increase our total research expenditures. Um, and we envision that industry sponsored research is, is one avenue that will accelerate the success of us achieving this goal. And it will also help to enhance our commercialization efforts. And so we're, we're also working very closely with our Office of uh, Entrepreneurship and Innovation, led by Sarah Goforth, um, that has spent you know, the past decade really establishing a pipeline of student entrepreneurs uh, and taking them through programming such as our National Science Foundation-sponsored i program, uh, our Innovation Scholars program, um, and our two-semester graduate-level new venture development course. Um, I co-teach this new venture development course with, with Sarah, um, which pairs MBA students, uh, STEM graduate students, and, and other graduate students, and teaches them about idea valuation and customer discovery, um, and then takes them on a business plan pitch competition circuit. Uh, and so in addition, we have, uh, we have two internal funding mechanisms as well that promote IP development and commercialization. Uh, one of them is called our commercialization fund, uh, which fortunately uh, has a million dollars per year uh, that's allocated to it um, to de-risk university-owned intellectual property. Uh, and so innovators who are working on university-owned IP um, can submit proposals um, that have these kind of shorter uh, timelines than a lot of times they're used to. Um, you know, a lot of our faculty are used to these sort of, uh, you know, longer um, five-year, you know, R01 and NSF type grants. Um, but we really encourage them to, to focus um, on these, you know, short-term uh, specific milestones um, that can be achieved um, to de-risk the IP and get it one step further down the developmental pipeline uh, and closer to, you know, licensing or, or a startup um, spin-out. And so we also have a, a, a gap fund, um, which is $400,000 per year. Um, and it's, it's available to teams that have successfully completed the National Science Foundation sponsored national i program. Uh, and so this fund is used um, to help these teams further develop uh, and or, you know, pivot uh, their, their technology or the particular customer segment that they're focused on, um, based on those customer discovery interviews that they conducted during this national i experience. Um, and so essentially this, um, you know, enables these teams, uh, to get back into the lab, you know, update, modify, iterate, um, based on primary data from these, uh, potential customers that they've interviewed. Um, 
So, you know, so now that that IP has been disclosed to our office, you know, we've opened this funnel for IP to come in. Um, we then utilize a, an evaluation framework um, that that's shared with the innovators um, to ensure that we understand the inventive steps that they're taking um, and how, you know, this particular technology fits within everything else that's out there. Um, you know, as well as those alternatives uh, to that solution, um, you know, that, that, uh, that, that to the problem that they're solving. Um, and so we actively market our technologies, right, to licensing partners. Um, we, we actually find that startups are typically the type of entity um, that's able to take the risk on technologies that are coming out of universities. So we, we focus on fostering relationships with our local entrepreneurial ecosystem, um, as well as working with university spin-out companies to, to build um, this ecosystem organically. Um, so we've recently created a position in, in our office that we're calling the, the Venture Development Program Manager, um, who you know, serves as a liaison really between our office um, and the entrepreneurial ecosystem. And so we um, envision that this person is going to dramatically expedite, you know, this whole process. Um, we also have a, a transactional side of the office um, that focuses on accounts payable and, and receivable and, and managing relationships with patent attorneys, um, as well as like license agreement compliance and things like that. Um, and then we also have a, um, a very active internship program um, where we're primarily right now working with law school students um, who are interested in in IP law, um, who who help us complete those um, evaluation frameworks on on each technology that comes in. Well, you really have been able to accomplish a lot in a short amount of time, and with a limited number and growing number of staff, it's very very impressive. Thank you. Well, given that and given all that you have going on, can you tell us a little bit about maybe how many inventions have been disclosed to your office, let's say maybe over the past five years or so? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So because our office has begun to expand, you know, the opening of this IP funnel um, by engaging with uh, with different innovator populations uh, on campus, um, you know, and, and in particularly, you know, working very closely with our Office of Innovation and Industry Partnerships um, and our Office of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, um, you know, as well as being focused on sort of providing a, a really high level of customer service through our, our service-oriented approach um, and really leveraging our commercialization fund and, and gap funds. Uh, we saw more than a 50% increase in the number of invention disclosures uh, that we received. That's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's encouraging to see that, you know, our, our efforts are, are working um, and, and really that that pipeline is is opening. Um, and so it's it's challenging uh, to, to provide sort of a, a single single benchmark since there have been so many changes over the past couple of years. Um, but we've been approaching 50 invention disclosures per year. Um, and this, you know, this, uh, this exceeds the number really that you would expect to receive. Uh, if you consider Autumn's sort of general rule of thumb about, you know, kind of on average about one invention disclosure for every two to $3 million of, of total research expenditures. So, um, 
you know, it, I'll tell you that there's a lot of enthusiasm around tech transfer right now at, at the University of Arkansas, and we're, we're really excited about it. Yeah, I can see why, given those numbers, you really are growing at an incredible rate, it seems like. And how does that translate, would you say, on the license side, if you had to talk about uh, active licenses that you've executed over the last five years? Yeah, yeah. So really since since 2018, actually, um, on average, we've been executing about six new license agreements per year. Um you know, and this is, is something I'm really proud of because, you know, we've been around that sort of 10% or more um, disclosure to license ratio. And so, um, you know, for, for a smaller office, um, it's something that, that I've been really, really proud of, you know, our ability to, to actually get these technologies um, out of the lab and into the hands of people that can actually start to use them. Yeah, you guys are doing a great job. That is something definitely to to be proud of. And and speaking of proud of things, can you tell us a little bit about maybe your top five earning inventions over the last year or last couple of years? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, maybe rather than than talking about sort of the successes of the past, um, I'd like to focus on on some of the really cool uh, inventions that are coming out of the university now um, that have really just been licensed to, to some fantastic startup companies. You know, one thing that makes uh, technology commercialization at the University of Arkansas so much fun uh, is that we work with intellectual property from many different disciplines on campus, right? From engineering to physics to human resources and architecture. Um, so it's, you know, there's a, a diverse uh, range of things that are that are coming into our office. And so, you know, it's fun to to learn something new basically every day. Um, the, the first first technology that I wanted to highlight um, is it's actually a, a new way to harvest energy um, using graphene, uh, which could power electronic devices um, actually in the absence of a battery. Um, so you can envision uh, a graphene membrane, um, sort of a, a single sheet of, of graphene um, vibrating up and down, sort of like the surface of the ocean, um, if you will. It's, it's essentially constantly moving. Um, and and uh, you actually have to cool it down um, to something like four degrees Kelvin uh, in order to actually get it to stop moving, um, stop waving up and down. Uh, and so our, our faculty has discovered um, that uh, you're actually able to harvest energy from this kind of rippling effect. Uh, and they've discovered that it works much like a, a wind turbine um, with all sort of the air particles of the wind, for example, moving in the same direction, um, you know, to turn the turbine all of the carbon atoms of this graphene sheet are moving in the same direction. And, and that's actually been demonstrated to be able to do, do work. Um, and so Paul Thibodeau, the inventor um, from the physics department, uh, just published a peer review paper um, on this that generated a lot of buzz from, from news outlets. Uh, and he was really uh, excited because he was finally able to provide enough data um, to convince the reviewers and his peers uh, that this technology is not, you know, a perpetual motion machine or uh, it doesn't defy, um, you know, principles uh, that the field of physics has been built upon. 
Um, and so we're we're really excited about this technology and the the company um, that we've partnered with to commercialize this. That's called uh, NTS Innovations. Um, and one thing that's that's really cool about this project is that they're they're actually a company out of Illinois um, and moved uh, some of their operations to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to be closer to the inventors. Oh wow. They're committed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's a really great uh, example of how technology transfer can participate um, in the, you know, economic development uh, of, of a region. Um, and so we're, we're really excited about that. Um, the, the second one that I wanted to highlight uh, is an innovation developed by Wen Chao Zhou uh, from Mechanical Engineering. Uh, and it's a, it's a 3D... Uh, printing robot uh, um, technology um, where the robots actually work together um, and collaborate uh, on a particular 3D print job. Um, So you can imagine, you know, several 10 or 20 um, individual robots um, that are all, all working together on a single 3D print job. Uh, And so, you know, this really gets 3D printing outside of the box, um, sort of that you traditionally think of a a 3D printer being. Um, And it enables these these large scale uh, 3D prints, which, you know, is often the limitation of of 3D printing. Um, And so the startup that's licensed this technology is called Ambots. um, And they're really reimagining what manufacturing will look like in the future. Uh, and so this, you know, this swarm 3D printing technology operates really like a, a swarm of bees uh, working together to to complete this job. Um, with some of the some of the robots um, actually 3D printing things, um, while others, you know, pick and place other things within the larger structure that then another robot can come um, come and and print over. Um, and so you know, it really has a great promise um, to, to revolutionize the, the manufacturing industry. That's a really cool one. Yeah. Uh, and finally, um, we recently licensed uh, the copyright um, to a, a scale um, that was developed to evaluate a leader's diversity intelligence. Um, and so this is a, you know, kind of a unique one where we're primarily dealing with patents and things like that. Um, but here we were able to register a copyright um, to this uh, this diversity intelligence scale um, that was developed by Clarifa Hughes um, and Xingya Liang um, from the Department of Rehabilitation, Human Resources, and Communication Disorders. Um, so this Hughes Liang diversity intelligence scale uh, is a tool um, to assist workplace leaders to efficiently and effectively integrate protected class employees into the workplace. So the premise um, of diversity intelligence theory is that leaders need to possess diversity intelligence to successfully integrate all protected class um, employees into the workplace. Um, and so we're, you know, we're really excited about the impact and the, the public benefit that this technology will have as well. That's really neat. And I always like success stories that are things other than patents. Like here, we've got a copyright and it's a scale. And it just shows creative ways that tech transfer offices can leverage and inventions and and other discoveries that maybe aren't necessarily patentable. So that's pretty awesome. 
So David, we just talked about some of your big successes there at the university. In your opinion, what do you think is most important in managing innovations to have the greatest opportunity for success? I think that, you know, one of the most important things uh, is developing and maintaining meaningful relationships. Uh, So this includes both internal and external. Um, Internal, of course, is, you know, with the the faculty members and the student innovators, uh, as well as department chairs and heads that, you know, of course, monitor very closely uh, how their faculty are using their time. Um, but, you know, can be a huge partner um, for establishing the pipeline of, of innovations. Um, this also includes relationships with other offices on campus um, and, you know, continuing to, to break down any silos uh, and, and really cross promote, um, you know, the activities of, of all of the initiatives on campus. Um, but this also includes external relationships, right, with, uh, with industry partners, with sponsors, with tech scouts, uh, with, you know, corporate advisory councils, um, local and regional entrepreneurial ecosystem members, uh, early stage investors and, and funders. Um, and we're, we're really fortunate to, to be able to build on, on existing relationships and to have established such great re- relationships over the past two years. Switching gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about, um, and we've touched on just a little bit about patents, and obviously your office is filing a lot of them. And, you know, patents are great. They serve a a lot of useful purposes. But then there always comes the inevitable patent litigation every once in a while. And I always like to ask, um, what's your office's approach to litigation? Um, I know a lot of times in universities, um, it's not a, a particularly favorite topic to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I wouldn't say that we're necessarily averse to litigation, but, you know, we're we're typically not getting involved with it unless there's a a company that has licensed the technology from us. And maybe that company has, uh, you know, identified an infringe, you know, a a potential uh, infringing party. Um, You know, this it's this is generally sort of a result from the fact that we're not typically continuing to prosecute patents long enough uh, if there's not a licensee um, that, you know, is, is continuing to, to develop the technology that may run into uh, potential infringers. Um, but, you know, of course, it's, it's certainly possible that a company um, that's actively infringing um, could be an ideal licensing partner uh, for a technology, um, you know, that hasn't been licensed yet. Uh, but we don't necessarily have the resources to actively seek out uh, infringers for every unlicensed technology. Um, you know, we do, uh, one of the creative things I think that we do is we we set up Google alerts to, um, to try to track, you know, based on kind of keywords that we have in our portfolio to try to survey, you know, what else is coming out um, in that particular field. So, uh, you know, there may be maybe opportunity to to identify a, a potential licensee um, based on that. That's very creative. And has it led to any litigation or have you had any in your office? We have a, a licensee um, that that identified another company as a as a potential um, infringer. And and the university actually did uh, did join the lawsuit as a as a co-plaintiff. 
you know, and and then uh, of course, you know, as as is the case uh, now, um, the the defendant uh, filed a petition for interparties review to review the patentability of, of the the claims of of the patent, and so. Um, you know, this is a, it's still a, still an ongoing process, but, uh, I'll, I'll kind of leave it, leave it there for now. Let's move on and talk about corporate partners and the role they've played in technology transfer there at the University of Arkansas. Can you give us some examples of some of the relationships you've had there with corporate partners? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so corporate partners are great to, to work with. Um, you know, they provide great insights, uh, into general challenges, uh, that they have in, in the, the field or space, um, that they're operating in. Um, and of course, you know, they're a, a great ear that we can bounce innovations off of, uh, to see if our faculty, um, are on the right track. Uh, and it's helpful, um, to, to keep, you know, to continue to keep them up to date with, with what we're working on, we, we've established a, um, we call it a, a corporate advisory council of, of several key uh, business leaders uh, in, in the local area and, and the greater region um, that, that's helping us to, you know, continue to establish best practices and, you know, make, to, to make sure that we're, uh, we're an easy organization to, to work with. How have corporate partners there led to more deals or perhaps differently structured deals? Yeah, so so for us, uh, the the corporate partner relationships, um, they they typically fall into the bucket of sort of this sponsored research um, that you know that's designed to solve a very specific problem um, that they have uh, that they you know they need some expertise or maybe they've identified some expertise um, at the university um, to to solve this problem, and so. You know, many times intellectual property is generated um, from these relationships um, that has this this nat- natural licensing partner, and so um, you know that's that's typically the relationship that we have. Now, you alluded to before the Walton Foundation. Can you tell us about the role of philanthropic organizations like the Walton Foundation or the Gates Foundation at the university? Yeah, yeah. So, so philanthropic organizations, um, and you know, really, especially the the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation, um, as well as the the Walton Family Foundation, uh, have have been and and continue to be uh, instrumental in in our success at Technology Ventures. Um, the the Walton Family uh, has has continued to generously reinvest in the local community. Um, so, you know, they've constructed 36 miles of, of bike paths, uh, connecting several communities. Um, they've provided funding and assistance, um, for best in class, you know, pre-K through 12 schools. Uh, they fund a hands-on science and discovery hub called the Amazium. Uh, they foster arts and culture, um, through the establishment of uh, a museum called Crystal Bridges. Uh, that has a collection uh, ranging from Rockwell to Warhol um, and several performing arts centers and an amphitheater. Um, and so they've, they've done a lot, obviously, for the community. Um, and they've, they've recently also been focused on regional economic development uh, and, and developing this local culture of entrepreneurship. Uh, and so it's really interesting to consider um, that 
you know, out of the six Fortune 500 companies that are in Arkansas, uh, three of them, uh, Walmart, Tyson, and, and J.B. Hunt, uh, were started in Northwest Arkansas. And they're, you know, currently headquartered uh, about 15 to 30 miles away from the university. Um, and so Northwest Arkansas has a rich uh, entrepreneurial tradition, um, you know, with these large organizations being started here. Um, and it's it's also a unique area because uh, there are more than 1,300 uh, Walmart suppliers um, that have also set up offices uh, in the area. And so, you know, more than 300 of the current Fortune 500 companies uh, are represented uh, in Northwest Arkansas. Um, and so we're, we're incredibly thankful um, for the support from the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the university received a, a phase one grant of almost $24 million to initiate this transformation of technology commercialization, economic development, and research uh, innovation um, in 2018. And just uh, just earlier this year, we we received a, a phase two grant uh, of almost one hundred and ninety five million dollars, uh, which is one of the largest single private grants ever given to a university um, for advancing research and, and economic development. And specifically, too, and I wanted to quote uh, Stuart Walton, who's the the grandson um, of the founder of, of Walmart. So he said, you know, this this. $195 million um, is, is really to support the, the University of Arkansas that seeks to drive innovation and transform entrepreneurship and research um, to commercialization for industries nationwide. Uh, and so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic really to, to have that level of support, you know, focused on uh, university technology transfer. Yeah, I can think of a couple other places in the country, Seattle and maybe San Francisco that have similar, but it, it's pretty rare. And thank you for that history, too, because I, I don't think I know for myself and I'm sure a lot of listeners are not really that familiar with that history of all those companies and Fortune 6500 companies in, in Northwest Arkansas. So very, very interesting. So. Moving on and talking about success stories, uh, we talked uh, about some of your um, successes in terms of inventions before, um, but maybe you could tell us maybe some of your startups that are coming out of the university. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of our one of our longest surviving uh, success stories is an example of a company uh, that's leveraging many of the the resources that are available to startups um, within the Northwest Arkansas entrepreneurial ecosystem. So that that company is called Biologics MD, and they live uh, in our Arkansas Research and Technology Park. This company was founded by Robin Goforth, uh, who received her PhD in chemistry from the University of Arkansas. And they're currently focused on developing treatments for hair loss diseases uh, and several bone disorders as well. And they, uh, Biologics MD, um, licenses several several technologies uh, that were developed at the University of Arkansas. And really, the roots of Biologics MD are based in that new venture development course that I mentioned earlier. Um, Robin developed the company um, through this program, and she actually won several. Uh, business pitch competitions along the way, uh, including the 
highly competitive Rice University business plan competition. Robin's successes were actually honored um, and they uh, they allowed her the opportunity to actually ring the closing bell um, at the NASDAQ uh, stock exchange in, in 2010. So that was a, a really fantastic experience for her and, and the rest of the team. Um, Biologics MD has received millions of dollars in research contracts from the department from the Department of Defense uh, and is on the brink of initiating clinical trials uh, on their lead compound. Um, the, you know, this company, it's, it's truly a, a story of how um, the university can, can develop these solutions to, to these, you know, to these real world problems. Um, you know, our students saw a need. She trained her technical skills at the university uh, during her PhD. Uh, she learned how to start and run a business at the university in the new venture development course. She leveraged technology um, and licensed it uh, that was, you know, developed at the University of Arkansas. Um, and now, you know, she she hires University of Arkansas students and and graduates. And so, um, you know, I, I think that this is a, a really nice example of how university intellectual property. Um, and this this process of of tech transfer can contribute to to economic development um, for our our local region. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic story. That's a really great one. Switching gears a little bit, uh, what would you say are two of your office's biggest challenges? You know, I, I would say our our biggest challenge um, has really been building and and growing our entrepreneurial ecosystem organically. You know, fortunately, there's a lot of people that are working on this challenge and, um, you know, are involved with many of our local and regional entrepreneurial support organizations. We don't really have an abundance of entrepreneurs uh, that have recently exited, uh, you know, who are looking for their next opportunity. Um, however, we're, we're really, you know, building from within, um, you know, it's not something that is, uh, deterring us. Um, you know, we're, we're growing that, that entrepreneurial spirit and, and, um, developing those entrepreneurs, you know, here in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of stars that are aligned right now, um, you know, coming from university and community leadership, as well as funders, um, to build a community where entrepreneurship, uh, thrives. So, you know, fortunately, the University of Arkansas and Technology Ventures are, are really central to this effort. Switching gears, I wanted to touch a little bit, David, on women inventors and entrepreneurs. Uh, does Technology Ventures have any programs to help encourage and assist women inventors and entrepreneurs? And if so, could you discuss these in a little bit of detail? Yeah, you know, so uh, so last fiscal year, we actually had 46% uh, of our issued patents that included at least one female uh, inventor, um, and 48% of our invention disclosures that year included at least one female inventor. And so, uh, you know, this is something that we're we're really proud of, and you know, is is well above the the national averages. And so I'm, I'm actually uh, actively investigating uh, some of the reasons for this success. Uh, and, you know, I think in the future, there's, there's probably a really interesting uh, case study that can be written here. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I hope you do figure out um, exactly the reasons for it, because I think that would be useful information to share with some other tech transfer offices. But congratulations. That's really, that's incredible that you're getting that. Um, high of a percentage of, of female inventors. So congrats again on that one. 
Switching gears a little bit, how about organizations like Autumn, LES? Are you involved in those and, and what value do you think they add? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm mainly involved with uh, with Autumn, LES, and and UIDP, University Industry Demonstration Partnership. Um, you know, I, I really like uh, these organizations because they provide you know best uh, best practices and and opportunities to work with industry partners and liaisons. Um, you know, every year I learn so much from from talking with industry partners at these events. Um, Last year, the University of Arkansas uh, hosted a, a UIDP event um, titled UI um, University Industry um, Engagement Outside Major uh, Metropolitan Areas. Um, and it, it was a workshop uh, and it was it was a really great opportunity um, for us to, you know, showcase what we're doing uh, at the University of Arkansas to members of UIDP um, and, and get those members uh, on campus and and really learn, you know, how we can continue to to work better um, together. And so, um, yeah, that's you know, those are the the main organizations that I'm I'm a part of. And and you know, it's it's really the the engagement with with industry partners that that I get out of it. Now, do you have a view on credentialing things like registered technology transfer professional? And if so, do you think it makes a difference? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think uh, credentials are great. You know, I think they serve as a as a signal to others uh, about your dedication and commitment. You know, one thing that I I do like about these credentials um, is that they're they're recognized by both uh, both industry and academia, and so I think it's you know it's really helpful to have everybody sort of on a level playing field. Well, David, I'd like to end these podcasts by usually asking my guests if they could have three wishes for their office or a vision realized. What would that be? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a there's a saying that has been attributed to, to many different people um, that the, the best way to predict the future is to create it. And so we we endeavor to, to create the future um, by being on the forefront of intellectual property commercialization and education um, in order to support the land grant mission of the University of Arkansas. Uh, and we've we've been we've been working really hard to simplify engagement by providing well-defined university entry points for industry investors and entrepreneurs um, with flexible choices for access to intellectual property. You know, we've been working hard to ensure transparency with with template agreements um, to provide fair and and streamlined guidelines for for faculty and student created spinouts uh, you know and and sort of all with the with the focus to to operate at the at the speed of business that's great and and I think given your trajectory so far that you'll have no problem realizing those in the future well David I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today it's been an absolute pleasure if any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions where can they reach you Sure. Yeah, they can send me an email um, at djhinton at u-a-r-k dot e-d-u. Great. Thanks so much again, David. It's been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com.
New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.